Welcome to Layout, a weekly podcast about design, technology, and everything else. Our main topic for this week, subverted design with Joel Khalifa. All right, but before we start, uh, we have some follow-up. We do. All right, and I just realized that all the follow-up is stuff that I put in there. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll be Sorry. talking for like 10 minutes. Um, so if you remember uh, two weeks ago, because we didn't have an episode last week, Sorry. Uh, we talked about uh, our growth as a designer uh, and how we can continue that growth. Uh, and it's super interesting because... Uh, the week after uh, julie zuo which is like design director at facebook um in her newsletter she basically published um her list for things that you can do to continue your growth uh, and i thought she uh, touched on really interesting points that like some of them overlapped with what we talked about some of them didn't um but i think it's a very interesting read uh, i'll just kind of sum up the four points she had um was number one learn from your users number two learn from people with different skill sets number three learn from the community and number four learn by doing um and she goes on in more detail and explaining what each and every one of those are um so if you're not subscribing to her newsletter yet um i think you should it's a really good newsletter um and i'll put a direct link in the show note to like that specific one um, i totally missed this yeah i'm on it uh yeah it was a good one all right, our next one is um, some follow-up from uh, a listener. Uh, listener is Stephen, uh, who uh, was basically saying that uh, regarding our net neutrality discussion la- uh, two weeks ago, um, we may have missed an important uh, difference between Portugal's wireless carriers and cable internet in the U.S. Um, he was saying basically that in the U.S. Uh, they basically have almost zero competition. Uh, so the providers uh, can and will really uh, gouge people. Um, so I don't know if that like rings true for uh, you in Portugal. Like, do you have a lot of competition over there? I don't, we don't have a lot. We basically have three main providers. Okay, so I mean, isn't yeah, that like not kind of similar that much in the US? from America? Uh, all right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> our next <laughs> our next item of feedback is uh, from listener Brian. Uh, and basically, <laughs> if you remember last week, I was talking about how um, sort of the path to learning feels like I was kind of making this example of like a game that I feel like I've played before, which is like you're kind of walking and there's this like dark fog and you like can't see most of the map and you kind of have to like walk around and like discover what's around you uh and so he mentioned that the game that i was referring to is called fog of war um and so uh i'll put a link to the show notes uh you can see the screenshots for the game and be reminded of it uh that was exactly what i was referring to like the age of empires type of thing right like you know the map is hidden until you walk through it Cool. All right, that's it for follow-up. Just like we mentioned in the intro, today we are joined by our 
good friend and uh, very special guest, Joel Khalifa. Hi, Joel. What's up? Hello. I'm good. <laughs> uh, Joel, you want to you wanna start by just, you know, explaining who you are, what do you do, where are you? What's up? Sure. Uh, I am a product designer at GitHub. Uh, before that, I led design at uh, a company called DigitalOcean, which is another company that does um, developer tools. Uh, and before that, I did a lot of different kinds of design. <laughs> um, that's that's me, I guess. And you're you're in New York right now, right? I am. Yes. Uh, originally from Israel, currently in New York. So the reason we have you on is first because you you know you're awesome. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we want you to have you on. But you very recently posted crap. Sorry, uh, keep bumping into my microphone. Very recently, you posted this Twitter thread, which is a fancy thing now that Twitter does, um, about how you see your path as a corporate designer. That's that's how you phrase it. Do you want to? I don't know. For people who haven't, maybe they don't follow you on Twitter. They haven't seen this. Do you want to like sum it up? I know it's a hard task because this is kind of a long thing but can you sum it sure, up sure yeah let me let me actually just read out 17 tweets <laughs> no i'm not joking Wonderful. Um, yeah i can sum it up um it, interestingly this like i i wrote this the day before the uh twitter threading thing came out also it didn't actually use the thread no it was w one day too late i, I don't know if it would have changed the content much but handcrafted tweet shame. storm Handcrafted tweet storm. Yeah, it may be the last handcrafted tweet storm. <laughs> Show title. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not a bad one. So, so yeah, so the um, the Twitter rant thing um, was really it's just a thing that I've been thinking about lately, which is how mostly like personally how I've grown in the industry, but also some patterns I've noticed with other people. Mm -hmm. um, mainly the, the gist of the thread is you might remember when like UX designers were kind of relegated to the sidelines of, of decision-making uh, maybe like five, 10 years ago, um, which, you know, everyone sees as a pretty negative thing. And, and on some level it is, um, but our role was like smaller and more scoped then. And so we were like, I was an interaction designer or UX designer or, you know, whatever, but what I cared about, what was kind of in the, um, in the field of my responsibility was making the experience great. That's what it was. It was like doing usability tests and checking that, uh, everything worked the right way and everything was intuitive. And so sometimes that would tie into uh, making sure that people could perform actions, which tied into conversion. Uh, but mostly it was just, um, yeah, it was just making sure that the experience flowed right. And a result of that, I think, was an inability to prove value to companies. And that's kind of the reason why companies and corporation leadership didn't really know how to tap into design as a resource because mm -hmm. um, they're talking about business needs and you're talking about pixels and fonts and colors right yeah i'm it's like i'm not saying that that's what design <laughs> right. was right but they're talking about business <laughs> needs and you're talking about like 
what is an intuitive mental model? And they're like, how right. does that affect the, mo- the bottom line? You know? Right. Um, and, you know, and like nice fonts and colors. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but there was a, there was a shift at some point and you see this with, you know, a lot of companies and you see this with, um, kind of the narrative in the industry and in films like design disruptors and stuff like that, where, you know, designers themselves have started seeing themselves as kind of very key to any decision-making process, to strategy, to the bottom line. Uh, and companies have kind of followed suit. Initially, um, it was kind of magic, like design will save our company in some way, or we'll make things better. Let's just slap design on it. Um, but now I think there's more of an understanding within companies, like what can design thinking and design processes and practices do for our business and not just for our experience. And so with that shift, you saw design like blooming into this um, crazy important role, right? Important part of a company. And designers started getting more responsibility. They started getting uh, treated as... Uh, more fundamental to the product, to the product um, process. And they started getting, you know, what we call a seat at the table. Um, and while that was happening, while like we started being treated as more and more important, I started, you know, I didn't notice this at the time, but looking back, I noticed that what we treated as senior within the industry was kind of this pragmatic, realistic designer who achieves company goals, right? Who can achieve company goals and knows how to work towards it. And the designer who is idealistic and pushes for things to be perfect for the user and um, prioritizes uh, kind of the, the pure experiential aspect they began being treated more as, as junior. Mm-hmm. Um, where in, in some senses that makes sense. Like you grow up technically and you get to the point where you're like, Oh, the world isn't perfect. It's not like rainbows and ponies. It's like, we need to pay for all of this somehow. Um, but I found it kind of sad, especially given the, political situation, a lot of things happening in the world right now that I couldn't really look at our industry and our role and say, we are making things better. And I think, I think this came up when I, when I was looking at uh, this Facebook page for deactivation, which was part of the, just part of the thread. Um, like, oh. a, yeah, like uh, for listeners, we'll try to uh, make it the chart chapter image. So, like, look down at your phone right now. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. Like, so someone would have told me like that this is a joke, and like I would be like, uh, yeah, like of course you'd never do this. Uh, but no, like this is this is real. <laughs> so, if I can sort of describe what this interface is, is basically when you want to uh, deactivate your Facebook account, they have the screen that's like, are you sure you want to deactivate your account? And they show you pictures of your friends. Say so like, George will miss you. Chris will miss you. Dana will miss you. 
right it's just like so manipulative um i yeah it's it's kind of shocking right (laughs) the thing about that is well a a it's just so obviously fucked up um (laughs) b like someone had to design that right so like i don't know the story and i don't want to judge any specific person that had to do with it but like the the resulting flow right it's nothing short of emotional blackmail right um and that should have been obvious from the get-go like this isn't it, it it's it's not like an opinion thing like everyone looks at this thing and is like that's kind of fucked up yeah um and i don't but, think you, you get can, you can totally see the metric behind it right the motivation yeah no like, of course that's why of course i mean facebook not to bash on facebook i mean they've been poor facebook <laughs> but, uh <laughs> Facebook is is a great example of that in where um like they have a phenomenal design team like one of the best people in in the industry they they have so like great talent um it's a, a product in a company that affects you know billions of users um and they have all the right ingredients but then when you actually look at the product it's it's not that impressive <laughs> but you can see their business blooming right so you can see what like all the motivations behind it where where they are investing if that makes sense it's not really the experience of the users (laughs) well i think i think that's hard to say right because like designing at scale is its own kind of would it would be its own podcast episode like it's really hard to design systems at scale and i think a lot of the designers are working on very scoped products that are all like individually or like a lot of them are individually like very good. Um, and so like, I, I think seeing, seeing the product in general, like from a high level view and being like, this isn't a good experience. I I think is a result of, Oh, there are an odd, like 700 designers working on the same thing and doing their best to like have everything fit together and all the flows kind of tie together. Um, I think there's like a lot of ethics stuff when you talk about Facebook, but probably like the scale and the ethics are, well, they might be intertwined actually, but I think they're, they're also two different things. Like when you have a user base of that size, everything is amplified, right? Every single small decision then becomes like it affects millions of people. Um, Okay, well, let me let me turn this around. I don't want to, you know, just talk <laughs> bash Facebook. Uh, I could, but let's not do it. Um, going back a little bit, um, when you say that designers, now we have like a seat at a table. You know, we are um, more important to a company. If that even makes sense, uh, would you say that we are more valuable and important to a company because we started designing for the company, or? Is it the other way around? If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think the two things are tied. There's like, it's it's a feedback loop that made us this way, right? So designers became more PM-y in time. <laughs> like, not to trash PMs, but like, um, when you start you're, prioritizing... You're really not making any friends here, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, so... <laughs> So okay, so I know I know a lot of good PMs. I just put it out there, a lot of great PMs. Um, but yes. they are like they're often judged by numbers, right? They're like right, and those numbers are tied to uh, the incentives for that role, right? So if you're like, I need to make um, 
I need to make conversion go up for this product or adoption go up or retention go up. And if I don't do that, that specific number is going to come back on me in some way. Then the incentives are to care about that thing, right? So it's not like I'm not talking about any PMs personally. I'm talking about the system that kind of leads to decision making. And so that's that's the kind of thing that designers became a bit more uh, involved in, right? And when I become more PME and I make this number go up, and then the feedback I get is, "Oh man, you are you are senior. You are like worth a higher salary. You're here's like a bunch of respect. Here's like the the actual people in the company and leadership treating you a bit nicer." Um, and understanding design more and more willing to like include you uh, in high level decision making. Um, that's a positive feedback loop, right? Because then you're like, oh, I should be PME more often, right? I should try, I should try to prioritize these things because they they seem like the right things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that was like one one part of your thread that sort of resonated with me because I think. I have like I could recognize myself in a lot of like the things that you mentioned that like yes like I have been caring more about like the business aspect over time and and yeah like uh made me think of like how we evaluate and like review team members and we talk a lot about impact um it's kind of like our our thing right like that like everything around like how we evaluate people is like how much impact are they having um and and like the thing that's tied to impact uh tend to be those kind of like metric numbers um and and the question then is like how do you how do you measure like how good of an interface is for a user right like <laughs> does it help them accomplish more than if yes like in the case of facebook like is there a limit to that <laughs> like because if someone's like sharing all the time and spend spending their entire days on facebook then maybe that's bad um so like how do you i don't know if you've thought thought about this more like how do you come up with a system that incentivizes the right behaviors you know, I, not saying that you have to have an answer, right? Like, yeah, it's, I think it's a tough <laughs> question for everyone. And <laughs> if there were obvious answers, then I, I think like probably companies like Facebook would have adopted them by now. Um, but I'm kind of curious to see, like, what do you think about that? Like, is there like basically is it a designer problem or is it a like company slash industry problem of like, we haven't found out like how to recognize um, what makes a good designer yet. So I think what makes a good designer is probably different to uh, any kind of role that you would ask. Um, I think it's a systems problem first and foremost, but that's hard to solve, right? That's kind of entrenched in capitalism. Like we are, at the end of the day, this is like a sh- shitty thing to think about, right? But we are, our main responsibility is creating value for VCs, essentially, for like VCs and the people who fund them. Like at the end of the day, 
that's what every employee in a tech company is doing. Like you might have other stuff that you care about and you're prioritizing, but the reason you were hired was to help create that capital for people. And that's a hard thing to grapple with. Yeah. Like any, any person in tech, right? I think there was just, I didn't read this yet, but there was just an article that came out of like Silicon Valley still thinks they're the good guys, but they're like, they're not. Um, and I think that's probably the reason why every company feels the need to be like, we're saving the world in this and this way. And like, we believe in doing good, et cetera. Um, but like the, the money in there, it comes from people who are already like very well off. Um, which is where the power lies, right? Which is where most of the equity lies. Um, some people are going to make it and do well, like people who were early in Facebook did super well. But but even there, right? It's it's all like it all at the, at the bottom. The bottom line is always about money, and you can layer on top of that all of these all of this good that each product is doing, right? Like I work at GitHub now. I see a ton of good that GitHub is doing, right? Not, not just like, oh, we're, we're doing good, we're volunteering, et cetera. But like the impact of GitHub is good in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I, I guess it would be naive to think that's why I have my role. Like I am being paid to have this impact on like the development world. Right. Cause why would my company pay me just to do that? You know what I mean? But should we, yeah, absolutely. Should we give up on trying to be, you know, idealistic and perfectionist and think about our users? Uh, because it, you know, in the end, when you look at it, that's not what we're doing. That's not why we were, why we're, you know, being paid <laughs> or, you know, or should we keep doing it? You know, should we keep fighting for it? And like, you know, you get to a point with, as you get more experience in all, um, like, let's take a very, you know, very boring example, but like designing like good, uh, like a good UI, like usability wise, it's, you know, clean and balanced. And that as you grow in your experience, that becomes like second nature. You don't have to really think like you, you get those skills I didn't know how to design a clean, intuitive, balanced UI. Um, so that is not your focus. That is like a given right now. So you can, you know, focus more on the company goals and all while also, you know, fighting for usability, fighting for good experience, fighting for all of that. But that becomes like second nature. You do it because you know how to, not because that's your main goal. If that makes sense. I feel like this maybe yeah. didn't make any sense. No, no, I, it totally made sense. and. I think so. I, I wrote about this a bit in the thread, but the, like the irony of all this is that we do have more power than we've ever had. Right. But just like we have been subverted in a way, like our priorities and the things that are important to us have been changed. And, and you're right with what you said earlier with like, like, is this linked in some way? Like, are we more important because we have priorities that more align with company goals? I think that's true, but what we can, but like what we have to think about that then there is like, is it a net positive, right? Are we using these new tools that we have, right? This new, um, 
stature, mm-hmm. right, to do good things or to or to have a positive impact. Or now that we have this, are we kind of complicit with a mm-hmm. lot of these things? And so we can't change the system, right? Because that's that's way too big and not a single person can change it. And I'm not like, this isn't like a call to arms or anything. <laughs> um, it's not a rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. It's So yeah, so maybe it's like small rebellions uh, of like, I am... I am kind of taking back my role. So I, I am at this company. I understand what makes me successful at this company, but I, I refuse to say it isn't my responsibility anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so one thing that, that I think many people might, might think to themselves and like, <laughs> I'm probably guilty of that too, is like, Oh no, no, no. Like I get everything you're you're saying, Joel, but like, I care about business and the users. <laughs> like, do these things have to be opposed to each other? That's a good question. Uh, I don't think they do. Um, sometimes, so, so the things I like the most are when business goals and, and user goals align. That's, that's perfect. And, and that's actually what I love working about. That's what I love about working at GitHub now. Uh, is that very often, almost in every instance I've seen, it's like the thing that will make the business successful is when users really like the product. Mm-hmm. And so there aren't these weird conversations around like, how do we convert people more? Because the way to convert people more is like give them what they want, right? Or make a right. make an interface more intuitive. There's no like weird pricing scheme. There's no, you know, there. I haven't seen any thought kind of put in that direction. And when things are like that, I think, like, fantastic, right? Because then you get to focus at what you're best at, which is maximizing user value. I think the issue comes when we see opposing values, right? When, like, oh, the thing that is going to be good for the business kind of results in this weird experience, like this Facebook thing, right? Or, or many other experiences like, oh, the main CTA is to not unsubscribe, stuff like that. <laughs> and then, but often, oftentimes, like I do feel like it's it's not as clear cut as everyone might like pretend like it is. Like I don't think it's like someone came up with this like uh, design uh, at Facebook and was like, this is going to be horrible for <laughs> for users, but like really good for our metrics, right? Like it's like I can imagine a story where like it's a bunch of researchers, you have a bunch of like uh, people looking at data and seeing like, oh, people are um, like that, like cancel their their Facebook account, like all of a sudden, like can't receive messages and like all their friends are like, like aren't able to like connect with them. And like, wouldn't it be like, shouldn't we let people know that like hey like this friend like tends to message you here a lot and like if you do this then that won't be able to happen like there's i feel like there's often like a way to like rationalize these things and so that's why i feel like even if in theory you can have business goals that are aligned with your users needs it's you 
constantly have to like take a step back and ask yourself like okay but really (laughs) what the the actual solution that we came up with is that good or is that bad like in the abstract like without the whole story of like going through all these hoops to kind of rationalize it yeah um i so (laughs) (laughs) okay you go (laughs) like um that's something that i had to face and learn uh recently is that sometimes and this happens especially when you're at a small-ish startup uh i would say like a lot of times you have no choice in the matter like hey if we don't change if we don't do this we're not going to be in business (laughs) next week um and like I, i feel like myself i'm in like a transition period like half a half in where like what I tackle is very much like what the company needs and the business needs, but then I can focus on the user experience of it. Uh, a good example is like you know new pricing model, how that affects the app and whatever, right? No user is asking for that. Oh, we really want a new pricing model, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's something that a company needs, you know. Um, but then how you design that pricing change and that how you incorporate it in the app, then I want to believe that you know the user experience is still my <laughs> number one, number two <laughs> priority. Uh, um, it's, yeah, it's tricky. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't think any of the designers doing this stuff are like inherently, you know, evil or anything. Right. And, and come on, some of them are, I, Joel. some, some <laughs> designers <laughs> are evil. Be. Some designers are evil. <laughs> No, I'm, I, <laughs> that's, there's the episode title. No, I, I don't think like anyone is inherently being like, oh, business goals matter more than user goals, right? But the, the rationalization you were talking about before, I think that's representative of that shift, right? Because you're rationalizing things in order to meet business goals, right? You're like, oh, these things are probably okay. And that's a result of like shifting priorities because if you didn't need to think about how do we make users not leave, (laughs) right? Then you, then you wouldn't get to the point where you're like, well, I guess we could show them their friends. And it really is about connecting people, right? That's the Facebook motto. Like we're connecting people. Then maybe we'll show them these people and that'll be fine. And actually it's nice to see your friends and like stuff like that. Right. That's that doesn't come from like people sitting in their like evil lair and and twiddling their fingers, right? <laughs> and like ha ha ha, like <laughs> my evil plan, right? It comes from people with just like different priorities than we used to have. Because ten years ago, there would have been a designer who went, you know, this isn't like the best user experience. What the action that the person is trying to take is to deactivate their account. They're not doing that by mistake. Like us putting friction between that in order to manipulate them is not a good user experience. But just like just like Kevin said, it's it's all about the story, right? And there are companies that are really good at, you know, creating this <laughs> reality distortion field around it and like kind of <laughs> you know, offer a clear motivation of like why why we're doing this and 
what for like no no bad guy thinks they're the bad guy right like stormtroopers are like no dude we should totally you know get the empire going so we can create stability and blah, blah, blah. like <laughs> um, except phasma phasma definitely thinks she's the bad guy yeah yeah phasma's evil um <laughs> I, thought, I thought we thought we agreed not to uh, uh yeah that's true okay, no, sorry <laughs> spoiler alert. but but like you know <laughs> facebook we you know we talk a lot about <laughs> facebook is a company that is very easy to talk about in trash or like you know question their motives um because they're so big and they they touch you know a lot of people um but it's also a very good example of like w where you can see yourself um you can truly believe in that i believe that there's a story that aligns with like that uh, deactivating screen um you know they're doing a good thing they're really trying to <laughs> what i'm trying to say is like no yeah. one no one knows that they're doing something evil or bad it's all about the story and you can very much tell a story in in and kind of like justify whatever really um so <laughs> It's yeah, really one thing that's been helpful to me in trying to like figure out <laughs> what is something that is like actually really just good for our users and what is something that may or may not be a good decision is like changing the time scale and look at it like over the long run, like long term, like five years from now, like is this a good idea or not? So for example, like in this case of this design like i'm sure short term like that's probably going to reduce the amount of people who who cancel their account but like once people get used to that it's just like whatever you know like i've seen this a million times like i've gone through this like i've been manipulated <laughs> uh and now this is just like how things are um because like honestly Designed people will get used to anything right and and people would will like start recognizing that this is just being really manipulative and they're going to develop uh n like bad like feelings towards Facebook as a brand and not really want to go and spend time there. So I feel like if you look at the long term of something like this, um this seems like it might not be the best decision. Um whereas so something else Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, people already have negative feelings towards Facebook. Like, there's, right, yeah. there's research that shows, like, people spend a ton of time on Facebook, but they don't like it. Yeah, um, well, I, I don't know if you saw, like, the, the re recent, um, there was, like, kind of a sort of blog post. I don't know if it's, like, call it a research, but um, that was saying something like people who just consume Facebook, like, feel worse. Mm -hmm. um but actually people who who use it and comment and post and like interact with friends it actually makes their lives better oh, interesting. Uh, and again so it's it's like it's like hmm, i see what you did there facebook <laughs> like, it's like okay so the secret is using facebook more all right mm. perfect yeah see that, that uh, is a, so, that's that's great though facebook now can say we have data we have studies to back this up if people post more they're happier using facebook so let's you know design around making people post more stuff and let's yeah exactly and I, again i don't know if this is good or bad everywhere. right like i we would have to look more into this research and how it's conducted and there's so many variables and so many like gotchas here that like just reading like one paragraph explanation of of this study 
won't do it justice. But again, it goes back to this like rationalization that we're talking about. So I, I again, I don't, I don't mean to turn this into the Facebook episode because like that, that was just the, that was the thing that triggered it. But you can see these decisions right. at like any company, at Airbnb, at any tiny startup, at just every every tech company. Yeah, I mean, even for us at Shopify, like, like honestly, if you <laughs> look at it cynically, like what i do is make people buy more shit like you know what i mean like and yeah kevin and you joel you just make people you know spend more time at the computers writing code yeah right me. <laughs> <laughs> um so i think it's something that like each and every one of us has to think about like nobody's kind of perfect on that front totally yeah that's what i'm saying it's not like this isn't like me oh no is a conclusion that we all suck yeah <laughs> Totally. So this isn't me like on a high horse being like, oh, I am virtuous and like design is bad. I'm like, right. we're all kind of in the muck together. Yeah. Um, and I, I also don't think like, so this is hardly the, thirst, the first kind of tech ethics conversation on Twitter and, and definitely not the most in-depth one. And people have been, have been feeling this way, I think, a lot recently. Um. And, and you can see with just like the reception of that uh, Twitter thread is like it resonated with a ton of people who I think are, are just starting to understand like, wow, like I am kind of not where I thought I would be mm-hmm. in some sense. Not, not mm-hmm. in like career trajectory kind of things, but I think there have been like on an industry level, we've been subverted in some sense. And there are more than enough people in a company willing to make these decisions, right? You have like PMs whose incentive structures are to do like, um, to, to make decisions based on, uh, company goals. You have leadership who are very much invested in the success of the company. You have like sales teams, you have whoever else, right? I don't want to call out anyone as wrong, Right. But there are incentive structures behind each of these roles that help them make those decisions or act, or want them to make those decisions in a, in a very formal way, because if they don't, they're actually failing. Um, and designers, formal roles are, are, aren't as constrained in that sense. Right. But we've been kind of accepted into this club of like very important people, quote unquote, um, of like the, the people who, who matter to a product. Right. And we feel that way, but we're not measured on that really. Like most designers aren't like, Hey, like how, how much conversion has your product had? Like find me a designer who's, who's had to answer for that. It's usually like the PM that's on the hook for that. And, and that's why I'm like talking about the system here and not any, any given person. Mm-hmm. But like, we're not using that leniency on us to be like, oh, okay, you think about the business and I will think more about the user experience and then we're going to clash on this, right? We used to be that way. We used to be like, we are going to clash a lot and I'm going to be that stereotype designer who we still like think about sometimes who is so hard to work with because Mm -hmm. I want things to be perfect, right? But we don't do that anymore. Instead, we are. Like, oh, I am a pragmatic designer. I'm very easy to work with. I understand um, why we're doing this thing. 
I am going to do my best to balance this, whatever we're doing for the business and what the users need. Like I'm going to balance that myself. And then you have every other stakeholder who doesn't need to balance that stuff, kind of either agreeing with you because you're pre-balancing it or shifting you even more towards the business side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of curious if the same kind of shift happens with engineers or if that's like mostly a designer thing. Yeah, I would love to know that. Yeah. I like my guess there is that it doesn't seem as bad <laughs> to me <laughs> just like from kind of the outside. It seems like very much like still see a lot of engineers like fighting for things like code quality and and like <laughs> fighting against kind of like complexity and and talking about like how um like the importance of just like building reliable software uh in a way that seems sometimes like opposed to like the direct business goals of just like shipping one more feature um and i don't see designers being in as many of these conversations but maybe this is because i'm just like way more exposed to the design side than the development side so if you're if you're an engineer uh working at like any sort of company uh big or small please let us know i'd I'd be curious to hear about that yeah i i also imagine that you know any any engineer kind of working on clearing out engineering debt um (laughs) is going to get less recognition for that than people working on like shiny new features or people like directly building the things that are changing like company trajectory in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very related problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what is, what is valued? All right. We've been talking about this shift and how, when you start out like a junior designer, is more of a like user experience justice warrior like that's all he cares about uh, but then when this designer you know with experience with <laughs> with age uh you kind of like I, th- I feel like it all comes down to you realize how things actually work right what is needed for a, for something to succeed or not and you you know you get away of your design bubble for a little bit because you, oh it turns out it's not just if you know the experience is not everything. Um, so just like I said, we start balancing business uh, company goals with user and experience and all. Um, and this discussion is great because it, like, it goes very much in line with what we have been talking about here on the show and when I was in Design Details last week, like with career progression, you know. Um, my question here, and like, I need to know this personally. I need to make peace with this. Like, is this shift, is this evolution, like natural evolution, is this a good thing in the end? Or is something dangerous? Like, we can't let go of that, you know, having the user as our number one priority. Like, are we, are we good? <laughs> like, yeah, what? Have, no, I think it's a bad thing. Have you have you seen that uh, Mitchell and Webb skit? Like, are we the baddies? Where they're just so. dressed up as Nazis and they're like, "Wait, we have skulls on our caps." Like, this doesn't <laughs> seem like a good guy thing. I love to see that. Can, can you give me a link? 
<laughs> yeah, I'll see you a link. I think I think that's kind of what the industry is starting to grapple with. Like, oh, we thought that we were doing this good, right? Like every the entire the entire tech industry is in this like weird shiny bubble of like, oh, we are changing the world. Like we're gonna build like we're gonna reinvent buses and bodegas and it's gonna be great. <laughs> right? But now we're like starting to understand what a negative impact some of these things are having right on, on like a very large scale, right? Airbnb has a lot of like ethical quandaries to grapple with of like how they're affecting housing costs, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, every other company has these same things. And I think that's important for anyone working in tech to think about. But at at a more kind of granular, tactical level, a lot of these small decisions that are being made, just they just aren't good. Like they're not good, and 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 going through with them, like you asked, is is that good? Right. The question is like, is it good for who? Right. Like it's good for the company. It's very good for the company, right? If I make a decision that uh, leads to more conversion. It's good for me personally because it's going to lead to like more respect within the company, higher salary, uh, like better career trajectory. Um, I don't know if it's good for people. Like, actually, I do know that it's it's not good for people. I think that we need a stronger mechanism for prioritizing those human needs, and if they can't come from the company. Or, or from like the way products are made by everyone, then I think they should come for, from us. Um, so the, the way I ended that thread is it, it used to be us and it can be us again. So let's do it. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that I don't really have the answers, but I need to do something. And considering the way the tweet storm was received and the response to it. I think other people want to do something too. Yeah. Count me in. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, I yeah. think that's a great place that to end great, it. Yeah. <laughs> great way to end it. Okay, uh, oof, that's decompressed. <laughs> yeah, everything's uh, great. Yeah, now I kind of like don't want to talk about Framer or whatever. <laughs> Screw that. Um, I don't know, Joel, what's up? Uh, anything like you want to talk about? What's on your mind lately, you know, besides this? Um, I don't know, anything fun happening? Anything fun? I just built a, a computer. It's right down here. Ooh, oh I yeah really. i've seen that uh like for vr and yeah. stuff for vr and stuff here's my uh well no one can see this on the podcast but here's my here's my oculus here's my these are these are the trophies for making business decisions here's the uh <laughs> <laughs> here's like here's all of my material goods um but yeah i'm super i'm super excited about this it's it's I never really got that deep into VR and it's insane mm. how immersive it is. It's just, it's so good. 
Uh, so how's the whole building a computer in Windows experience has been? Uh, the worst. You know that. You've okay. seen my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, the only uh, experience with VR that I have is I have the PSVR. So it's, you know, just games and mm. setup and all of it's super easy. I know as a headset is not like the most powerful and immersive thing. Uh, tracking is a bit, you know, janky, but it's it's great like but to be honest i'm I'm using it less and less but i don't know what that means for vr but i'm i'm glad we have a vr set up at the office because there's no way in hell i would <laughs> build a pc for, for that. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like my idea of fun um but yeah hey i'm glad you were able to do it <laughs> yeah hey apparently it's not my idea of fun either so <laughs> <laughs> um cool um so should we uh do recommendations yeah let's do recommendations okay uh rafa why don't you get us started um okay as as people know i've been in san francisco for the past uh, two weeks um i got like a bunch of tech dinguses things uh i got a google home mini just because it was like 29 or whatever bucks super cheap i was like yeah let's get into this lady in a canister world um type of product but i'm not going to recommend that because oh my god i have so many rants about that whole setup experience did you just um, call it lady in a canister yeah that whole <laughs> oh, <no>. product category <laughs> i, <laughs> I kind of like didn't say anything <laughs> but i was parsing that <laughs> for like a minute <laughs> Whatever you call it, the Alexas and the Google Homes, and uh, yeah, I, maybe that is not a very good appropriate term. I don't know what to call <laughs> anything, it. Anything, anything but lady in the canister, please. That's uh, the assistance <laughs> in a tube. <laughs> oh Jesus! I'm making it worse. I mean, it's more like it, it's in a puck, really. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's not a tube anymore. That, that is right. That's not really the thing I was debating, but okay. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> It's not the shape. I'm try. I'm, try, I'm just trying to get Rafa out. Yes, oh my god! Okay. I need yes. to get out. Anyway, I'm not <laughs> going to recommend any of that. I have lunch and pickles. I am going to recommend the Sports Loop Apple Watch Band. Why not? Um, I got that at an Apple store because um, I thought it looked cool, and I tried it. And it's like sweatpants for your wrist. Holy <laughs> sweatpants for your wrist! Yeah, it's I really like really comfy. Uh, I was not expecting that. I was using the uh, the Nike, uh, whatever it's called, sports band, the, the one with the holes, <laughs> which is very comfortable. Uh, but, oh my God, this one is super, super comfy. So I'm recommending that. <laughs> my God. Awesome. That was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Joel, what do you have for us? I am recommending never building a PC. <laughs> <laughs> perfect i will take that recommendation <laughs> no i um let's see I, I didn't really think about this beforehand but i will recommend um castro if anyone's uh never used it yeah it's the, a podcast app yeah. for uh for the iphone i don't have an iphone anymore but i will live vicariously through anyone who uses it because it's it's the best <laughs> is castro what's, not uh, what's good for about android it? No, I've been trying to get them to make it, um, but <laughs> they have not in the week that I've had uh, an Android phone. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. 
Well, I guess that's interesting. Would you recommend an Android phone? I guess I don't know which device you have. Yeah, I would. Hot topic. I would recommend parts of an Android phone. Um, So, so so, take out the camera. Take out the... Oh, the, the camera's screen. better. Like, the camera's better than the. Oh, you want a Pixel? The Pixel Two. Yeah, yeah, I got a Pixel Two. Camera's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the operating system is amazing in in a lot of ways. Um, Hardware is really good. the The problem is like none of the apps are good. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. the the amount of polish you see in the uh, Apple ecosystem just doesn't exist here in anything almost. Um, All right. Yeah, which is is a shame, but um, but yeah, the operating system is really cool. Everything kind of communicates in in a way better way. Um, where on iPhone everything was, and I just switched like a couple weeks ago. Um, on iPhone everything was always sandboxed, and so Venmo couldn't really get in touch with Twitter or whatever. Uh, and here everything is just super uh, like a connective network. Uh, and it's really easy to like share to anything from anything else and to anyone. And it's just a lot of it is way more seamless than Apple than like using an iPhone. Um, but a lot of it is just, you know, not ideal because clearly people haven't put as much thought into their experiences as they do on iOS. And I feel like Google's design team is getting in shape. Like they're way better than they were like even like two years ago, even. Um, and I've been really surprised about everything Google lately. And like I said, it just got the the home mini, which is a great piece of hardware and all. Um the setup experience, oh my god, I really don't want to get into this, but damn, that was the worst experience ever. Like <laughs> nothing worked at the first time. Like no step of the setup process worked at the first time. Like errors anyway. Um but Google like now they have like a cohesive like ecosystem and before they didn't really you know and the pixel is a great phone that i'm very intrigued by um so yeah <laughs> it's worth a try for sure <laughs> <laughs> one day maybe kevin so speaking of uh google yeah my recommendation is uh this article uh by uh justin o'beern uh i don't know if that's how you pronounce it um uh it's titled uh google maps moat uh and basically it's a very in-depth essay uh on the comparison between apple maps and google maps uh and what i want to recommend here is like yes this article specifically uh but i just like want to recommend this entire website um (laughs) so this person has been writing about a single thing like maps yeah (laughs) for since 2010 (laughs) and just like with like so much detail and care and passion and like these articles just make me happy (laughs) and i love like all the detail and attention that goes into writing every single one of these and there's just like almost like a discipline to it yeah it's like very methodical into comparing how things are evolving and not necessarily like making specific judgments but like being like really honest about like what you're seeing uh and as a like product designer or like someone who makes digital products 
I absolutely love this, like, kind of, like, looking through and trying to understand these decisions. I find that absolutely fascinating. So I highly recommend, like, go check out all the articles. They're all fantastic. I opened this and I was like, oh, this is old. I remember this Apple Maps, Google Maps article. But then I was like, wait, no, 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 no. This is new. (laughs) Another, like, super in-depth article from the same person. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I I love these articles. I just noticed that on Apple Maps, because um, that's usually what I use, um, if you zoom close enough, then all of the buildings become 3D at a certain yeah. zoom level. I thought it was, that was neat. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Google, when you zoom in, they actually become the buildings themselves, <laughs> and you're suddenly inside them. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that true? <laughs> no, I, that was a joke, but actually... That could be a thing. Like, and so suddenly, the first time, you are the map. The first time I tried the Google VR thing, the Daydream um, stuff, and I, um, it let you do Street View, and then I, tried, I entered the address of my office, um, and it put me inside it. <laughs> oh, right, right. And I was just like, what the, what the hell just happened? How am I inside my office? Like, this is crazy. That's awesome. Cool. Okay. Should we wrap up? Yep. Um, all right, everyone, listen to this. You can continue the discussion here on spectrum.chat. We have a new layout post there. You can comment there and talk. Uh, you can also reach to us on the Twitters. We are at layoutfm. Uh, special shout outs and thanks uh, this week oh first for you know thank you joel for being on on the show that was awesome thanks so much thanks a lot um i want to give also a shout out to victor kearns um eric silva and chevy um for reaching out to you know reaching out on twitter uh also special shout out for me personally uh from me i mean (laughs) to victor again uh uh listeners mac and zach and Kevin Gutowski, I think that's how I pronounce his last name. I'm so sorry. Um, thanks for meeting with me when I was in San Francisco. Uh, I had a wonderful time. And uh, also thanks to Sam. So you guys got a live episode of Layout. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with <laughs> Ben and Jerry. So with like, a better yeah, with like version of Layout. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the better part. <laughs> you, can find, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rafa Hari. Kevin is at Vernal Kicks. Vernal Kick, sorry, no S. <laughs> And uh, and Joel is not details, right? That's how you yes, say. not I never had to, like, details. I never had to read yeah, a lot. You can also fo- follow. Is it bot details? Like <laughs> also, yeah, bot, bot details. Account. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Bot details is my ebooks account, and it is uncanny. <laughs> it's very, it's very frightening as a bot. Uh, lastly, you can find all the show notes. You can find links to all of the other episodes of this show uh, on our website, which is layout.fm. Um, this show is part of Spec FM Network, so if you're looking for more shows to listen, even if you're an Android and have to use like I don't know. Google's podcast or um, Pocket Cast, I guess. <laughs> There's a lot of shows on the Spec FM network, so if you want to check that out um, at Spec.fm. Cool. All right. Sweet. All right. Guess that was it.